Section 11 of The Wit of Women. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wit of Women by Kate Sanborn. Chapter 9 Good Natured Satire. Women show their sense of humor in ridiculing the foibles of their own sex, as Miss Carlotta Perry, seeing the danger of higher education, and Helen Greycone, laughing over the exaggerated ravings and moanings of a stage struck girl or the very one-sided sermon of a sentimental goose. A Modern Minerva by Carlotta Perry "'Twas the height of the gay season, and I cannot tell the reason, but at a dinner-party given by Mrs. Major Thwing, it became my pleasant duty to take out a famous beauty, the prettiest woman present. I was happy as a king. Her dress beyond a question was an artist's best creation. A miracle of loveliness was she from crown to toe." her smile was sweet as could be her voice just as it should be not high and sharp and wiry but musical and low her hair was soft and flossy golden plentiful and glossy her eyes so blue and sunny shone with every inward grace i could see that every fellow in the room was really yellow with jealousy and wished himself that moment in my place as the turtle soup we tasted like a gallant man i hasted to pay some pretty tribute to this muslin silk and gauze but she turned and softly asked me and i own the question tasked me what were my fixed opinions on the present suffrage laws i admired a lovely blossom resting on her gentle bosom the remark i thought a safe one i could hardly made it worse with a smile like any venus she gave me its name and genus and opened very calmly a botanical discourse but i speedily recovered as her taper fingers hovered like a tender benediction in a little bit of fish further to impair digestion she brought up the eastern question by that time i fully echoed that other fellow's wish and as sure as i'm a sinner right on through that endless dinner did she talk of moral science of politics and law of natural selection of free trade and protection till i came to look upon her with a sort of solemn awe just to hear the lovely woman looking more divine than human talk with such discrimination of ingersoll and cook with such a childish sweet smile quoting huxley mill and carlyle it was quite a revelation it was better than a book chemistry and mathematics agriculture and chromatics music painting sculpture she knew all the tricks of speech bas-relief and chiaroscuro and at last the indian bureau she discussed it quite serenely as she trifled with a peach i have seen some dreadful creatures with vinegary features with their fearful store of learning set me sadly in eclipse but i'm ready quite to swear it if i have ever heard the tariff or the eastern question settled by such a pair of lips never saw i a dainty maiden so remarkably o'erladen from lip to tip of finger with the love of books and men quite in confidence i say it and i trust you'll not betray it but i pray to gracious heaven that i never may again chicago tribune the ballad of cassandra brown by helen gray cone though i met her in the summer when one's heart lies round at ease as it were in tennis costume and a man's not hard to please yet i think at any season to have met her was to love while her tones unspoiled unstudied had the softness of the dove at request she read us poems in a nook among the pines and her artless voice lent music to the least melodious lines though she lowered her shadowing lashes in an earnest reader's wise yet we caught blue gracious glimpses of the heavens that were her eyes 
as in paradise i listened ah i did not understand that a little cloud no larger than the average human hand might as stated oft in fiction spread into a sable pall when she said that she should study elocution in the fall i admit her earliest efforts were not in the earliest vein she began with little mabel with her face against the pane and the beacon light a tremble which although it made me wince is a thing of cheerful nature to the thing she rendered since having learned the soulful quiver she acquired the melting moan and the way she gave young greyhead would have liquefied a stone then the sanguinary tragic did her energies employ and she tore my taste to tatters when she slew the polish boy it's not pleasant for a fellow when the jewel of his soul wades through slaughter on the carpet while her orbs in frenzy roll what was i that i should murmur yet it gave me grievous pain when she rose in social gatherings and searched among the slain i was forced to look upon her in my desperation dumb knowing well that when her awful opportunity was come she would give us battle murder sudden death at very least as a skeleton of warning and a blight upon the feast once ah once i fell a-dreaming some one played a polonaise i associated strongly with those happier august days and i mused i'll speak this evening recent pangs forgotten quite sudden shrilled a scream of anguish curfew shall not ring to-night ah that sound was as a curfew quenching rosy warm romance were it safe to wed a woman one so oft would wish in france oh as she climbed that ladder swift my mounting hope came down i am still a single cynic she is still cassandra brown the tender heart by helen gray cone she gazed upon the burnished brace of plump ruffed grouse he showed with pride angelic grief was in her face how could you do it dear she sighed the poor pathetic moveless wings the songs all hushed oh cruel shame said he the partridge never sings said she the sin is quite the same you men are savage through and through a boy is always bringing in some string of birds eggs white and blue or butterfly upon a pin the angle-worm in anguish dies impaled the pretty trout to tease my own we fish for trout with flies don't wander from the question please she quoted burns's wounded air and certain burning lines of blake's and ruskin on the fowls of air and coleridge on the water-snakes at emerson's forbearance he began to feel his will benumbed at browning's donald utterly his soul surrendered and succumbed o gentlest of all gentle girls he thought beneath the blessed sun he saw her lashes hang with pearls and swore to give away his gun she smiled to find her point was gained and went with happy parting words he subsequently ascertained to trim her hat with hummingbirds from the century a dozen others equally good must be reserved for that encyclopedia this specimen of versa society rivals locker or baker plighted a d eighteen seventy four by alice williams two souls with but a single thought two hearts that beat as one Nelly Lacouture. Bless my heart, you've come at last. Awful glad to see you, dear. Thought you'd died or something, Belle. Such an age since you've been here. My engagement? Gracious, yes. Rumors hit the mark this time. And the victim? Charlie Gray. Know him, don't you? 
well he's prime such mustachios splendid style then he's not so horrid fast waltzes like a seraph too has some fortune best and last love him nonsense don't be soft pretty much as love now goes he's devoted and in time i'll get used to him i suppose first love humbug don't talk stuff bella brown don't be a fool next you'd rave of flames and darts like a chit at boarding-school don't be miffed i talked just so some two years back fact my dear but two seasons kill romance leave one's views of life quite clear why if will latrobe had asked when he left two years ago i'd have thrown up all and gone out to kansas do you know fancy me a settler's wife blessed escape dear was it not yes it's hardly in my line to enact love in a cot well you see i'd had my swing been engaged to eight or ten got to stop some time of course so it don't much matter when auntie hates old maids and thinks every girl should marry young on that theme my whole life long i have heard the changes sung so ma belle what could i do charlie wants a stylish wife we'll suit well enough no fear when we settle down for life but for love stuff see my ring lovely isn't it solitaire nearly made maud hint and turn green with envy and despair hers ain't half so nice you see did i write you belle about how she tried for charlie till i sailed in and cut her out now she's taken jack mcbride i believe it's all from pique threw him over once you know hates me so she'll scarcely speak oh yes grace church brown and that pa won't mind expense at last i'll be off his hands for good cost a fortune two years past my trousseau shall outdo maud's i've caught blanche from pa you know mean to have my dress from worth won't she be just raving though scribner's monthly magazine eighteen seventy four women are often extremely humorous in their newspaper letters excelling in that department as critics they incline to satire no one who read them at the time will ever forget mrs runkle's review of st elmo or gail hamilton's criticism of the story of avis while mrs rollins in the critic often uses a scimitar instead of a quill though a smile always tempers the severity she thus beheads a poetaster who tells the public that his solemn song is attempt ambitious with a ray of hope to pierce the dark abysms of thought to guide its dim ghosts o'er the towering crags of doubt unto the land where peace and love abide of flowers and streams and sun and stars his solemn song is certainly very solemn for a song with so cheerful a purpose we have rarely read indeed a book with so large a proportion of unhappy words in it frozen shrouds souls a-chill with agony things wan and grey icy demons scourging willow branches snow-heaped mounds black and freezing nights cups of sorrow drained to the lees etc are presented in such profusion that to struggle through the dark abyss in search of the ray of hope is much like taking a cup of poison to learn the sweetness of its antidote mr blank in one of his stanzas invites his soul to come and walk abroad with him if he ever found it possible to walk abroad without his soul the fact would have been worth chronicling 
but if it is true that he only desires to have his soul with him occasionally we should advise him to walk abroad alone and invite his soul to sit beside him in the hours he devotes to composition then humour is displayed in the excellent parodies by women as grace greenwood's imitation of various authors written in her young days but quite equal to the echo club of bayard taylor how perfect her mimicry of mrs sigourney a fragment by l h s how hardly doth the cold and careless world requite the toil divine of genius souls their wasting cares and agonizing throes i had a friend a sweet and precious friend one passing rich in all the strange and rare and fearful gifts of song on one great work a poem in twelve cantos she had toiled from early girlhood e'en till she became an olden maid worn with intensest thought she sunk at last just at the finis sunk and closed her eyes for ever the soul gem had fretted through its casket as i stood beside her tomb i made a solemn vow to take in charge that poor lone orphan work and edit it my publisher i sought a learned man and good he took the work read here and there a line then laid it down and said it would not pay i slowly turned and went my way with troubled brow but more in sorrow than in anger phoebe carey's parody on maud muller i never fancied it seems almost wicked to burlesque anything so perfect but so many parodies have been made on kingsley's three fishers that now i can enjoy a really good one like this from miss lillian whiting of the boston daily traveller the well-known correspondent of various western papers the three poets after kingsley by lillian whiting three poets went sailing down boston streets all into the east as the sun went down each felt that the editor loved him best and would welcome spring poetry in boston town for poets must write though the editors frown their aesthetic natures will not be put down while the harbor bar is moaning three editors climbed to the highest tower that they could find in all boston town and they planned to conceal themselves hour after hour till the sun or the poets had both gone down for spring poets must write though the editors rage the artistic spirit must thus be engaged though the editors all were groaning three corpses lay out on the back bay sand just after the first spring sun went down and the press sat down to a banquet grand in honour of poets no more in the town for poets will write while editors sleep though they've nothing to earn and no one to keep and the harbour bar keeps moaning the humour of women is constantly seen in their poems for children such as the dead doll by margaret vandergrift and the motherless turkeys by marion douglas here are some less known bedtime by nelly k kellogg twas sunset time when grandma called to lively little fred come dearie put your toys away it's time to go to bed but fred demurred he wasn't tired he didn't think twas right that he should go so early when some folks sat up all night then grandma said in pleading tone the little chickens go to bed at sunset every night all summer long you know then freddy laughed and turned to her his eyes of roguish blue oh yes i know he said but then old hen goes with them too good cheer the robin and the chicken by grace f coolidge a plump little robin flew down from a tree to hunt for a worm which he happened to see a frisky young chicken came scampering by and gazed at the robin with wondering eye said the chick what a queer-looking chicken is that 
its wings are so long and its body so fat while the robin remarked loud enough to be heard dear me an exceedingly strange-looking bird can you sing robin asked and the chicken said no but asked in its turn if the robin could crow so the bird sought a tree and the chicken a wall and each thought the other knew nothing at all st nicholas harriet w lothrop wife of the popular publisher better known by her pen name of margaret sidney has done much in a humorous way to amuse and instruct little folks she has much quiet humor why polly doesn't love cake by margaret sidney they all said no as they stood in a row the poodle and the parrot and the little yellow cat and they looked very solemn this straight indignant column and rolled their eyes and shook their heads a standing on the mat then i took a goodly stick very short and very thick and i said dear friends you really now shall rue it for one of you did take that bit of wedding cake and so i'm going to whip you all i honestly will do it then polly raised her claw i never never saw that stuff i'd rather have a cracker and so it would be folly said this naughty naughty polly to punish me but pussy you can whack her the cat rolled up her eyes in innocent surprise and waved each trembling whisker end a crumb i have not taken but bows ought to be shaken and then perhaps his thieving awful ways he'll mend i'll begin right here with you polly dear and my stick i raised with righteous good intent oh dear and oh dear the groans that filled my ear as over head and heels the frightened column went the cat flew out the window the dog flew under bed and polly flapped and beat the air then settled on my head when underneath her wing from feathered corner deep a bit of wedding cake fell down that made poor polly weep the cat raced off to catland and was never seen again and the dog sneaked out beneath the bed to scud with might and main while polly sits upon her roost and rolls her eyes in fear and when she sees a bit of cake she always says oh dear kitten tactics by adelaide silly waldron four little kittens in a heap one wide awake and three asleep open eyes crowded pushed the rest over while the gray mother cat went playing rover three little kittens stretched and mewed cried out open eyes you're too rude open eyes winking purred so demurely all the rest stared at him thinking surely we were the ones that were so rude we were the ones that cried and mewed let us lie here like good little kittens we cannot sleep so we'll wash our mittens four little kittens very sleek purred so demurely looked so meek when the gray mother came home from roving what good kittens said she and how loving both sides by gail hamilton kitty kitty you mischievous elf what have you pray to say for yourself but kitty was now asleep on the mow and only drawled dreamily kitty kitty come here to me the naughtiest kitty i ever did see i know very well what you've been about don't try to conceal it murder will out why do you lie so lazily there oh i have had a breakfast rare why don't you go and hunt for a mouse oh there's nothing fit to eat in the house dear me miss kitty this is a pity but i guess the cause of your change of ditty what has become of the beautiful thrush that built her nest in the heap of brush a brace of young robins as good as the best a round little brown little snug little nest four little eggs all green and gay four little birds all bare and gray and papa robin went foraging round aloft on the trees and alight on the ground 
north wind or south wind he cared not a groat so he popped a fat worm down each wide open throat and mamma robin through sun and storm hugged them up close and kept them all warm and me i watched the dear little things till the feathers pricked out on their pretty wings and their eyes peeped up o'er the rim of the nest kitty kitty you know the rest the nest is empty and silent and lone where are the four little robins gone oh puss you have done a cruel deed your eyes do they weep your heart does it bleed do you not feel your bold cheeks turning pale not you you are chasing your wicked tail or you just cuddle down in the hay and purr curl up in a ball and refuse to stir but you need not try to look good and wise i see little robins old puss in your eyes and this morning just as the clock struck four there was some one opening the kitchen door and caught you creeping the woodpile over make a clean breast of it kitty clover then kitty arose rubbed up her nose and looked very much as if coming to blows rounded her back leaped from the stack on her feet at my feet came down with a whack then fairly awake she stretched out her paws smoothed down her whiskers and unsheathed her claws winked her green eyes with an air of surprise and spoke rather plainly for one of her size killed a few robins well what of that what's virtue in man can't be vice in a cat there's a thing or two i should like to know who killed the chicken a week ago for nothing at all that i could spy but to make an overgrown chicken pie twixt you and me tis plain to see the odds is you like fricassee while my brave ma owns no such law content with viands a la raw who killed the robins oh yes oh yes i would get the cat now into a mess who was it put an old stocking foot tied up with strings and such shabby things on to the end of a sharp slender pole dipped it in oil and set fire to the hole and burnt all the way from here to the millers the nests of the sweet young caterpillars grilled fowl indeed why as i read you had not even the plea of need for all you boast such wholesome roast i saw no sign at tea or roast of even a caterpillar's ghost who killed the robins well i should think hadn't somebody better wink at my peccadilloes if houses of glass won't do to throw stones from at those who pass i had four little kittens a month ago black and malta and white as snow and not a very long while before i could have shown you three kittens more and so in batches of fours and threes looking back as long as you please you would find if you read my story all there were kittens from time immemorial but what am i now a cat bereft of all my kittens but one is left i make no charges but this i ask what made such a splurge in the waste-water cask you are quite tender-hearted oh not a doubt but only suppose old black pond could speak out oh bother don't mutter excuses to me qui facet per allium facet per se well kitty i think full enough has been said and the best thing for you is go straight back to bed a very fine pass things have come to my lass if men must be meek while pussy-cats speak great moral reflections in latin and greek our young folks end of section eleven